This show was first broadcast on Free FM, Hamilton, New Zealand's community access media organisation. For more information on our lineup of shows and the role we play in the media, visit freefm.org.nz. Hi, it's Vanessa from the Fighting Stigma Show on Free FM. Are you a Waikato local? Do you have an idea for a radio show? Do you want to try your hand at being a content creator on Free FM? If so, check out our website on freefm.org.nz or find Free FM on Facebook and get in touch. Tēnā koe ko Murdoch tēnei, te kai whakarite pāpāho Māori ki tuia ngā reo o te hāpuri. Tēnā koe, it's Murdoch, Māori Media Coordinator here at 3FM. And we're really excited about all the new Māori-focused content currently playing on 3FM. But we can always do more, so if you have kōrero, you want to share with us i roto i te reo Māori in the Māori language, or with a Māori kaupapa, then email me, maoridia at 3FM.org.nz. Tūtawa mai i runga, tūtawa mai i raro, tūtawa mai i roto, tūtawa mai i waho, kia mauri tū, kia mauri ora, kia tātou katoa, me tukumihi anō kia koutou katoa. Claudette Hauti here, Y262, kia whakapūmau, this is the first whānau claimant, the taumata whakapūmau le kōrero, the history of Y262 flora and fauna claim, the symposium here at Waipapa Marae at Te Wharewananga or Tamaki Makaurau Auckland University. The symposium serves an opportunity to share kōrero, uh, kaupapa vision, moi moi a legacy of the original claimants, te ohaki. It's also here, we are also here to share the way to 62 journey ahead of us all, kia mua, kia muri, because as we know, it has been a very, very long journey. The journey is not over. And so we continue to enforce and to reclaim what we originally had wanted in Te Ohaki, the joint dreams and aspirations of Te Ohaki. We're also here uh, to give you, uh, we have for you technicians, practitioners, mātauranga, tikanga, Māori experts, Māori scientists, universities, university academics, museum legal professionals and researchers have all assembled here today to give you their perspective on how best to proceed with the Y262 under the current environmental and political uh, context. We understand that the world, not just Aotearoa, New Zealand, but the world is battling climate change. What does that mean for us, tangata whenua, mana whenua, mana moana, here in Aotearoa, New Zealand, and how best for our Indigenous voices, Māori voices, to be able to direct and to guide the uh, strategy to work with government and the Crown on how to minimise climate change on our whenua and our moana. Very, very important. Our mātauranga is front and centre of any of the strategies going forward put forward by our government and the Crown. We're here also to support and work with Te Taumata Whakapumo and the legacy projects of Y262 and we will talk more about that and we will talk to others as well too, Māngai who have, who will be coming today to submit to this, the first whānau claimant, Taumata Whakapumo here. It's an online symposium here at Waipapa Marae.
University of Auckland. Te whariwānanga o Tamaki Mikaurau. Nō re 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 tonuananga mihi kia o tātou katoa pae nei ki roto i a tāne nui ārangi e tū tako tako mai nei te nei rā o tina kia o kūtou hono maniana māti hurangi. Arā mā te huarahi e kia nei ko www.slido.com hashtag Y262. Uh, in this section of our proceedings, ladies and gentlemen, we'll have two more sections before we take a quick break for Te Kai o Te Ranui at one o'clock. Uh, at 12.30, we'll have a legal perspective uh, led by uh, Maui Solomon. And now we have our Ngāreo o Ngāiwi Kai Kōrero for Y262 Claimant Iwi Kōrero. I, we, I will reintroduce our Iwi Māngai Kōrero, but I'll introduce them all quickly now, unfortunately, we have our apologies from Ngati Kwata, whose representative and spokesperson was unable to attend uh, today. But we have uh, four of the speakers from four of our iwi, Ngati Wai, Ngati Poro, Ngati Kahungunu, and uh, Terarawa. Uh, we will ask our those in the whare, uh, Terarawa and uh, Ngati Wai, to make their way forward to our strategically placed seats here. For Altamata, and we also have online joining us. If they're not there now, they will be at the appropriate time. Um, from Ngati Poro, we will have Tino Poro, and from Ngati Kahungunu, the chair of Ngati Kahungunu, we incorporated Ngahiwi Tomoana, will be joining us as well. But we will start here in the Fare, ladies and gents, um, with our first speaker representing the iwi of Terarawa, Terarawa Kai Fare. Um, what well, what other words of introduction can be used for Hami Pitipi that haven't already been mispronounced by Willie Jackson? Um, Hami is, of course, the chair of Tūrunanga or uh, Tararawa. He is, of course, a former CEO of the Māori uh, Language Commission and many other roles and responsibilities. Uh, he is here uh, speaking on behalf of Tararawa. Would you please make welcome our first speaker for our iwi claimant corridor panel uh, Mr. Hami Pitipiakarahamitenakwekawa. Bueno, kuriru mahu e tuku he kōruru mō te taho te rārawa. Me tīma te ikonei pēr 30 years is a long time. Kia pupuri tonu ki te kaupapa nei. And I guess I'm fortunate to have been brought up in the house of a weaver and watch over time the resources of that weaver become more and more depleted, limited, uh, alienated and eventually uh, obstructed. And uh, the corridor that Auntie Sana um, talks about in terms of access to weaving materials is very real to us as a, as a child who, who's, who was, whose job it was to gather these materials and, and see the hours and hours and hours of work that go into the, into the mahi and then to produce such a beautiful uh, taonga and watch it um, get put up for sale for Half the half the price that it would really price cost to make it, cost to make it, and I thought at the time this is this is not right, this is unjust, 
And um, and then, you know, uh, over time, of course, uh, the truth is, as people began to discover these injustices, they began to reveal them, and in, re in revelation of those injustices, they were um, connected to other other injustices. And really, the Waititi claim is an organic claim. So it started with an injustice over here, then another one over there. We found another one over here, and gradually it took on all these aspects. And so what you see today in terms of the Waititi claim is a is a whole. Um, provenance of injustices that have been uh, discovered within communities and revealed and added to uh, the organic nature of this claim. And it's, it's rolled like a, like, a, like a snowball ever since. But of course, when you have an organic claim like that, I think it's probably the only really organic claim that's been made, which is why it's got so big, is, is when you have it like that, it becomes hard to manage. It becomes hard to manage in terms of a mandate. It becomes hard to manage in terms of admin, administrating its uh, implementation. It becomes hard to manage in terms of gathering the evidence and, re and doing the research required to establish the claim because you have to establish a claim for this, for that, for here, for there, and, and you, have to, you have to prioritize what it is you, your, 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 your focus is. And in, the, in that respect, that's possibly been one of the reasons why the claim hasn't been properly addressed by the Kawanatanga because it has been so hard to grapple with. And, and I mean the people ourselves are hard enough to grapple with. Then you're gonna then you're gonna try and grapple with the claim. It it it, it is a it is a really um, daunting task. And um, and uh, and over the last couple of uh, uh, government iterations you've we've seen that. You you try to talk to a government minister about it and they just they just don't want to know because they can see how deep, how wide and how daunting that, that mission is. Because it's it's almost like transitioning the whole constitutional nature of the country into a new perspective, and, and, and it's exactly what the Minister Mahuda was talking about this morning. That you have to move into a whole new vision, a new understanding of where it's going. And uh, in Tarawa, that has been a very difficult thing for us to do because over one year, two years, five years, Mutiti is the place where the first hearing for Y262 was held. The people in Mutiti have even forgotten that now because they're a whole generation on and they, they, they've only heard about it. And, and there's another travesty in, in terms of continuity, in terms of sort of complementarity. And, and so we have a job now, both in Tararawa and as a collective of claimant groups and, and individuals, of re-enthusing our people for this claim. Because we, we we can understand by the complexity of the claim and by the depth and by the implications that it has for New Zealanders and for the, and for the country and the nation uh, that it requires the full attention of our people anyway in order to move it forward. So uh, from my perspective, we uh, we 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 need to reload. Reload is not a very PC word, is it? But <laughs> we need to reload because. Um, and, and, and reignite the enthusiasm among the bright young minds of our communities and get them going, get them up and, 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 and doing the reading, doing the research, getting fired up to be able to carry the, and advocate the, the claim. Uh, I, I must say that um, uh, over the last decade or so, since the report was first uh, released, and it was released in, uh, in, in Ahipara once again in a Tararawa uh, uh, context, and there you hell, got nowhere, you know, it got nowhere. And um, even when we had a, a jumpy little guy like Chris Finnison bouncing around the place thinking he was going to do it, but 
to work out that he had no way of being able to achieve it. But so what do we do? And and the the I'll finish here. The, the point now is, who do we pass baton to? Because we can't. You can see how much we've aged in the in the, in the last uh, last uh, decade or two. So who 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 wants this baton? Because if we don't pass the baton, and I think if we don't pass the baton right now, be a long time for the window opens again. And I think one of the reasons why the window is open now is because we it's a serendipity of circumstances have, have conspired to bring us together as claimants, has conspired to bring the threads of evidence and research together, has given us a focus. Because in the early days, we needed parkers to help us do that. You know, they, the DSIR, and they're all organized, resourced, and, and so they're able to help us get coordinated and organized. But these days, we have to do that ourselves. And, and the role of IWI is to actually step up and do some of that rather than say, oh, yeah, we, we give you our moral mandate, get on, get on with it, see you when you get back. You know, it, 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 it takes more than that now. And so in passing the baton on, we need to pass the baton on to individuals who have a, a mind and a passion for it. We need to pass the baton on to groups who have a kaupapa around it or who have associated issues that, are, that, are, that, that fall out of this arena. And we need to pass it on to larger groups like iwi to take a special interest in it because when you think about it moving beyond tribalism is good we should we should in terms of of, of viewing the, the 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 redress outcome but um it is through tribalism that we have the connection it's through the whakapapa that we have the connection we we are we are the kaitiaki of these important things because we have a whakapapa relationship to the atua that are, that are the deities that pertain to them and that, that, that is the that is the associative and affiliative line. There's no other way. You had to be born into it. And and when we can do that, then we start to get some sort of momentum and lift off. We are in a very fortunate position, I believe, to have have this all this machinism happening around us to have a minister. Um, who is prepared? She talked about people being courageous. You know, you've got to be courageous. Well, the person who has to be most courageous is the government person who's trying to push this because this is going right against the grain. This is, this is, you know, when, when, our, when our original old people were making this claim and, 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 and fighting for this claim, a lot of them, they were despised by that of our people. Our people said, ah, oh, you're crazy, crazy, but why are you? They thought we were, Bucking the system so much that it was impossible, and that it was just an impossible dream. And what are you stupid, you know, people doing? And Gordy and I have lived with that all our lives. <laughs> people think we're, you know, and they say, "Yeah, but you're the only one that thinks like that." And we say, "Yes, yeah, because we're the only ones out here." Catch us up, you know. And and so I'm ready to pass the baton on from an EV perspective, and and I, and I have to try and build our EV up to make sure they can pick that baton up and run with it as individuals, as groups, and as an EV. And Tate to our our neighbouring EV. But in the end, tātai to the mutu. I runga no inga hakapapa e tātai hia nei tātou te iwi Māori ke raru i te maru o ngā atua Māori mai te rangi ki te whenua, te whenua ki te rangi. And that is, the, that is actually what we mean by saying the mother of all plans because it, it actually covers everything. It, it goes everywhere. And in that sense, it's organic. And we need to approach it in an organic sense. But it also means that there's tons of room for innovation, there's tons of room for added contributions, tons of room for a, a, another vision even. 
Honesty, clarity, continuity, and complementarity, as you were talking about, uh, serendipity of circumstances, serendipity of longitude as well, uh, but to be courageous. Speaking of courage, uh, 
Tohoraha washes upon the shore, Wales must be acknowledged as Fanonga who have returned to us based off the relationship of the Tohoraha and the Kodi tree, which Sultane, God of Forest, gift the whale to Tangaroa, God of the Sea. E rātū hai kōrero katoa na te au o tātou mātua tūpuna, kai tō tātou kai kōrero hare a kene. Nō rere karahori, hara mai ngāti wai, te nāwea. Ai, kia ora man tatu. I didn't know I was going to be talking today, so I'm just going to wing it. That's my second name. <clears throat> now, I've been with Ngati Wai Trust Board now for 38 years. I came home to New Zealand about 40 years ago because the Crown was stealing land off my mother. <clears throat> and what a massive struggle that is. I'm at the moment writing my uh, PhD. And of course, the title of my PhD is Papatua Nuku in Constraint. And where do those words come from? Around about that time, I was looking as I was the environmental manager for Ngati Wai Trust Board. And I went to an environment court, and you had all of these scientists up one wall, and down the other wall was lawyers. <clears throat> and I could hear the judge asking, what is Ngati Wai's policy on the matter? And somebody said, they do not have a policy. And what I could see happening through those people's minds was just ignore them then. And that's, what, that's pretty much what happened. So I knew then that the best thing that I could do is just go and find out as much as I can about our environment. And so I came here to Auckland University and I met up with Dr. Mary Roberts. And she was in charge of the School of Biological Sciences at that time. <clears throat> so I spoke to her about some of my concerns. And I guess that for myself, I guess I was, I was lucky. I was one of those little hotutu fellows when I was a kid at my uncle's and they'd, boy, grab your bag, well, and you didn't say where, you just grab your bag. And you find out that you're off to hunt kiwi or go hunt tuna, get mutton bird. And I think that was what was neat about it too, was that I was able to listen, you know, because I was only a kid, and I was able to listen to all my uncles talking about stuff. Most of them were ex-28 Māori Battalion. Most of them were still only in their early 20s. And some of the corridors that I used to listen to them talking about, about us, and about themselves being over in places like Italy, Egypt, and, and so on. <clears throat> so anyway... I got Ngāti Wai Resource Management Unit involved with environmental sciences with um, Mary Roberts. Actually, with Mary Roberts, how it all started, really, because the Department of Conservation was only just born then, and, of course, they were in charge of our offshore island. And so I'd heard that these scientists were coming up to go out to the island, so I said to my board, I'm going out there too. One scientist was a wetter scientist, and the other one was Tuatara. And because when we arrived out there, Doc started setting all of these snap traps. And because uh, a whole lot of us say, I didn't even know what a kiori looked like myself. I was a bit like everybody else, calling kiori a rat like a pahe rat. And because that was really interesting too, was that uh, being involved with the university here. Because at that time, <clears throat> there was a, uh, a scientist, uh, Lisa Madison Smith, who was doing research on kiori. And that's doing the mitochondria of the, uh, of the kiori and the kuri. 
And there was really, I found that kaupapa really interesting, so I, I hooked, hooked right into it. And because uh, while we're out on the island, Doc set these traps, and I could hear the traps going off just on dark, and they were trapping kiori. And so I had a look at these little fellows, and they did look a little bit like a Pākehā rat, but I'm still trying to work out now, well, what do we actually know about this little animal? And so that was really, that was really important for us. And so I got involved with that research and found out that how different a kiori is from a Pākehā rat, that it only lives for 12 months, and all of those sorts of things. That it, um, and of course, well, well, you know, if you read some of El Elson Best's corridors that they got from Tuhoi. And when I did my own research, when I did my bachelor's, I did some research on the kiori because I was traveling around the country at that time for Ngati Wai with the environment, with the new Environmental Protection Authority. And because uh, I spoke to those two boys, and I said to them all, that you fellas go to that party. He said, no, we we're just having fun with it. Because that's what we were looking at. Elson Best said that when you want to trap a cure, that they run in a straight line, straight uphill. And I thought, well, Chingos, that's all hard case. And so anyway, while we're out there uh, and they were trapping these kiori, and I could see them putting them into bags, and I said to Doc, what are you doing with those? Well, we're going to give them to Mary Roberts. And so I thought to myself, Chingos, I'm going to go and look for this, this, this woman. And with a name like Mary Roberts, I thought, oh, she must be Māori. And so I came here to the university and I'm looking around for, for her and I'm probably looking straight at her and, and I realised afterwards that it was her. And it was through her that I uh, just uh, shared some information about Kiori. So Kiori became one of our, uh, our take within Ngāti Wai. At the same time too, the uh, scientist that was there, the Tuatara scientist that was there, she was there to bleed, take blood from Tuatara from the tail. And so we went trapping Tuatara that night. And of course, the next morning, the scientists were sitting there, you know, taking blood and that uh, from the tail. And then when I saw her pull these side cutters out, I said, oh, what's going on here? And then she started nipping the tips of the toes off them. I said, oh, what's going on here? They said, oh, we've got to mark them for future, future reference. And I said, oh, Jingoes. I said, uh, don't like that. I said, the two didn't put those toes on there for nothing. And so I said to them that I was going to talk to my board when, I, when we got back to shore. And I spoke to my board about it. And the board said, Roy, hi, you better tell the Kaumatua. So the board called the Kaumatua Hui. And I told them what was going on. And uh, one of our queers said, what can we do about it, boy? And I said, let's join the Y262 claim. And so that's what brought us into the claim. There were other issues and that that I was dealing with with the Department of Conservation. And of course, one of those was around whales. And of course, my co-martyrs were saying to me, boy, you stop those back here burying them in the sand dunes because we still got koiwi there. And so that's how come got involved with whales as well and ended up with the support of Mary Roberts and Professor John Craig and others uh, to help me to put, some, put a protocol together. 
on, on, on us uh, harvesting wild resources. At the same time, too, about about 13 years ago, the, the um, Ministry for Primary Industries, DOF and Regional Council, came up with this thing about back. And so that's been myself. I've been part of the Tongan Defender Law for going on 13 years now, and we're about to just stand the Tongan Defender Law down, and it'll uh, morph into a new co-papa called Iwi Collab. But anyway, on that committee with MPI, and just listening to all their kōretake kōrero, and, of course, I, uh, and, and then, of course, they're doing all of this science research. I said, aren't we partners under this thing? I said, you probably didn't even talk to us about that science research. And, of course, at the end of the day, it didn't come up with nothing. And so I eventually, and so eventually I, uh, I, I went and had a, had a kōrero to my whanonga up in Ngāti Hine, Tohei Ashby, and I was talking to him about one of the corridors that I'd heard from our co martyrs about that relationship between Cody trees and whales. And I said to my mate, let's try it. I said, we've got some bone. I said, we've got some bone and some good oil. I said, what about let's... I said, what that, what that uh, disease looked like to me, I could sneak up through the mori of the of the roots, so the feeder root, not, probably about not, for, not a meter above the ground before it sticks its head out. And instead of the, um, the uh, gum running out white and turning solid, it is uh, yellowy, sticky, like, like pus. And that's what I said to Toy. I said to Toy, it reminded me of that saw some of our aunties had to get on their leg here. Had one auntie, had one auntie, she had them on both legs. And so she had a bandage on his leg. And when we had to see her come, we said, oh, here comes Farlap. And just having our auntie on. But anyway, that's what it reminded me of. So that's what I'm talking to Tohe about. I said to him, that's what it reminds me of. What about if we ground up some wild bone and mixed it with sperm city oil and put it on there like a poultice and see whether it'll suck that ngarara out of there? And because... Uh, when he started his new program there a couple of years ago, he had this, uh, I didn't know at the time that she was Pākehā, but he had this Pākehā woman that had joined this course, and she told Tohe that she had seven sick trees on her property. And Tohe said, well, let's try this rungwa that Huri's talking about. I was, no, for myself, I didn't, I, I didn't want to know. I didn't want Pākehā or scientists involved with what we were going to do. Many because of those things like um, Karakia, we really needed Tao Wairua to be with us, that's for sure. And of course, there was also another very strong feeling in ourselves that an essential part of that rungo was hohaurungo. Hohaurungo because we had hurt those trees too. I'm just saying uh, the name of a uh, documentary that we did, if you haven't seen it already, the name of that documentary is Te Waunui. And you'll see us doing, giving, giving rungwa to a tree out of Whangarei heads. So Te Wānui talked about, so showed a whole lot of things. Before Pākehās come here, I understand that you would not even think about dropping a big tree without a big ceremony of some sort. But Pākehās taught us to do it without all, no mind about all of that stuff. And so we, 
were part of helping those Pākehās to patu our ngāhiri. And even after they saw what they were doing and they slowed it down a bit, then we had our tarara relations learn us how to go climb up there and bleed those trees. Before the 1990, while everybody was building plastic canoes and all sorts of waka, I said to my board, give me an hour with a helicopter so that I can go and look at some of those dead, those big standing dead Cody trees. Now, of course, we couldn't find, we couldn't find one, one that was any good because um, the helicopter pilot would sort of just hover beside the tree, we'd have a good look at it. And then he would find somewhere where he can put me down so I can walk into that tree with my tomahawk and I'd start cutting into it. And I could just feel that something was wrong with that tree. We didn't know about Cody Dye back then. And also I didn't know about how our, some of our co-martyrs had learned how to bleed those trees. You go up to the first branch, hey, and that's in, in there is where you dig that hole. And then they go up there every now and again and pull all of that gum out. And eventually it kills that tree. So it wasn't long after that, that this scientist, uh, he went over there and had a look at those sick trees. Because we knew that we had a lot of unhappy looking Cody trees over on the barrier. And so he went over there, Ross Beaver. He went over there and had a look and uh, took some samples, soil samples and samples off the tree. And that's when he came up with the corridor that it was a, an, a phytophora a pathogen. And of course, at that time, we said to MPI, you know, that if the, if the, uh, if, if, if the Phytophora is endemic to New Zealand, probably all we have to do is just leave the Ngahiri alone and keep people away and let it, it'll sort itself out. But if the Phytophora is foreign, well, then we, we're in big trouble. And so there was all sorts of tests and that done and of course, even up to today, we're 99.9% .9 certain that the Phytophora has come from overseas. And so MPI and, and the scientists and that had done the DNA on it, and they tracked the DNA back to, back to uh, Taiwan. And so I said to them that, okay, I said, well, in the first instance, we'll accept that it might have been us because we came through Taiwan about 10,000 years ago. I said, but you thought, Pakis, you thought, listen to this. I said, after the war, Forest Service bought all of that machinery that was used to fight the Japanese in the islands. New Zealand bought that machinery. And of course, that's one way that it could have come here. Another way was in the late 1940s, early 1950s, they started tutoring around with trying to mix all of the cultivars of the Agathis family. And those were, I said, that's another way that it could have come here. And because uh, traveling around, looking at a lot of those plantations that um, well, the New Zealand Forest Service did, they can see that that phytophora is there. A lot of it is in those trees and that they, those young, young Cody trees and that they, that they planted and that sort of thing. Hi. And so that's, that's where, that's where we're at at the moment. And I'm proud of it, actually. If we have found a medicine for that Cody dieback, well, then I'm happy about that. So now,
You're not going to cut off. I'll ask you to take your seat so we can get you to watch our next speaker who's coming on Zoom. Kapai, you can go back and have a look at the screen, Matori. Uh, Tina Pro is our next speaker on behalf of Huiwi Ngati Pro. Tina is a vibrant trailblazer in a new generation of Māori leaders of Ngati Pro Ngati Tuvaratua descent. Uh, she is deeply committed to her whanau hapu and iwi and is dedicated to using her skills to grow their aspirations. It's um, appropriate that I introduce Tina now as I stand between Paikia and Pawa. So, Tina, kaya koe te wā, ngāti pro te nā koe. Kia ora, Julian. Tēnā koutou, he mihia tikea koutou mō tēnei hui whakahirahira. It's a real honour to be here today to speak after some amazing people like Kori and Hami who have been trailblazing much longer than me and who have also been participating and supporting and enabling the Y262 journey for the last few decades. Um, and I guess, you know, my cordial today is really focused on the work of those original claimants and honouring those original claimants because, you know, in 1991, I think I was standard four. And so... You know, we, we, as this generation, we don't actually understand or comprehend the massive, massive commitment that those original claimants and now their whānau carry for the rest of us in Aotearoa as tangata whenua. Um, and I reflect on Tamapuata, Whungati Pro, but all of the original claimant whānau who are now continuing to carry this space for us as whānau on the ground. Um, you know, and acknowledge Tama and his whānau at Te Whānaurua Taupare and, you know, reflecting on some of the kōrero Hami has, has shared with us about how, you know, in the beginning there wasn't a huge amount of support for the mahi that these amazing people were pushing. They were, um, you know, well ahead of their time and could see the tidal wave coming uh, of appropriate cultural appropriation of you know western scientists uh, understanding that actually all the solutions were in mātauranga māori and indigenous understandings of the taiao and how could they appropriate those and so i think you know um the kōrero that we are working with today around y262 is a is a timeless one and one that is reflective of the roles of kaitiaki that we hold to our whakapapa but also I think um, it's a future forward kaupapa and, you know, I, I reflect on kōrero about how we often whakapapa back to our ancestors, to our tipuna, but actually we need to whakapapa forward as well. And what does this look and feel like for the next hundred years when our kids are facing significant issues around gene modification for taonga species? You know, we've seen uh, the work of many scientists around um, genomic um, testing and you know what does this look and feel like for us for a generation past you know since 1991 and I think the constant focus on the crown's role in this although important um, is beginning to be multi-layered so the crown's uh, 
experiences and understandings of Y262, Ko Aotearoa tēnei, and more specifically the aspirations of the original whānau claimants for what this would look and feel like in practice is one important facet of what we're going to be facing with Y262. But I think what we're seeing also is this evolution around commerciality and how do we participate as iwi and hapu and whānau in a contemporary framework around commercialisation, which, you know, I think is a real big issue for us as we see more and more Māori trust and corporations and PSGEs explore what, you know, rungoa Māori looks like and we're seeing other non-Māori taking our rungoa, putting, using kawakawa extensively in um, pharmaceutical products and not having any um, connection back to our whānau and hapu at home who are kaitiaki of those taonga species, but also the proliferation of Pākehi Māori and, um, you know, this growing knowledge base of young Māori who are interested in, you know, creating new spaces and new outcomes and new opportunities for with our relationship with our tail that aren't appropriating, that are consistent with our tikanga and kawa, and that appropriately share the benefits of those with the whānau who directly need to be. But I think as we um, traverse this new space, you know, in this kind of futuristic view, you can't forget the importance of the conversations that we had at the beginning of the claim. You know, we had these whānau claimants who were in these spaces where there were no Māori, and there were still few Māori, but they were flying this flag when even, you know, whānau at home didn't understand what this could be and look like. So they were doing it in the face of often a lot of opposition. Um, and I think we just need to make sure in all of this corridor that's going forward that we're acknowledging um, the bravery and, and I think, um, prophetic uh, experiences of these whānau who saw the wave that was coming to us. And I think the breadth of Kaupapa under Y262 flora, fauna, our mata, rangamari, they're becoming so so much more important or more relevant as climate change hit our communities, as we see considerable and extensive degradation of our waimari, and, you know, communities all across the world saying, oh no, everything's collapsing, who's got the answers? And in fact, it's indigenous communities that have the answers, but instead of partnership approaches, what we're seeing is scientists often, not always, but often still operate from a space of Western uh, white privilege that that information should be shared with the world in the ways that they want to share it with. And so, you know, we're seeing wonderful Māori academics in this space traversing across all of those lines and, and making sure that our, our uh, perspectives are heard. But Y262 and its heart, its kaupapa that drove it, not necessarily the Waitangi Tribunal outcomes, but the actual heart of it was about how do we more deeply connect with Taiao and our whakapapa and our atua and our relationships with each other in the national, natural environment and how do we shape a model that protects that while still enabling us to participate as, as iwi and hapu in a, in a new world. So I think I just... Um, you know, for us in, in uh, Te Runanga o Ngāti Parau, who are here purely to support the kaupapa um, that was led for us by Tamapuata and his family, 
and supported by multiple others of our whānau when giving evidence. And if you look at that list of people who gave evidence um, in the in the tribunal, you know, they're superstars. They're absolutely the, you know, the breakthrough stars of the space. And now many of them are no longer with us or who are pakeke themselves. So I go back to Hami's all, but who will up, who will take this on? Who will take us into a space where our environment is changing because of the actions of, you know, um, people, uh, particularly in industrialised companies, not Indigenous people. We're not creating climate change, but we're certainly feeling the disproportionate uh, impacts. But Y262, this is an opportunity to reimagine what that looks like in a new space for a whole new generation of kids who don't know what it's not like what it's like not to have kohangari or, or kura kaupapa or maori tv for that matter this is a whole new space and we are i guess excited to see what that looks and feels like for these new generations going forward but retaining the the integrity of the claim retaining the leadership of those original claimants and creating spaces for us to have what will be very difficult conversations internally around how we consider commercialization as iwi maori and hapu but also how we protect against cultural appropriation that's coming from the external so there's you know there are multiple layers and all wrapped up in that i think is the opportunity presented to us by a minister minister mahuta who has said let's have the conversation which up until now we haven't been able to have but I will wrap that up there because I know you've got some wonderful speakers. But, um, you know, from our perspective, thank you for giving us the space to support our whānau who have, um, you know, um, made this happen for all of us and created a holding space for us as iwi and hapu to protect and participate in our taiao. So, um, kia ora, Julian. Let's go now to our next speaker, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, he is, of course, Maui Solomon, a barrister and Indigenous peoples advocate with 22 years legal experience specialising in land and fishing claims, cultural and intellectual property, environmental law and treaty Indigenous peoples rights issues. He's also been a key legal and political advocate for the recognition of the customary and treaty rights and identity mediation and negotiation of his own Moriori people of Rekohu Channel Islands and Maori tribes in Aotearoa, New Zealand. Oh, tēnā ko, uh, Julian. And uh, kia oranga kōtou, um, uh, e ngā waka e ngā mana, me ngā karangatanga maha, uh, ngā whānau, hapu, uh, me ngā, ma, ngā iwi o te krimi, uh, wairua ono rua. Um, nō reira e koe mā koromā, uh, rauranga tērā o te hui hui mai nei, uh, tēnā kōtou, tēnā kōtou, hoko minatai me rongo. So, um, look, I'm not sure what you can see, but I've got a screen in front of me and I'm sort of, it's like I'm, I'm talking to myself. All I can see is myself on the screen, which is a little bit uh, disconcerting, but never mind. It's probably more disconcerting uh, for you. Um, look, I, I want to, to start by, by saying that um, it's, been a, it's been a real privilege to, um, to sit here for the last few hours and um, and listen to previous speakers, um, starting with um, with Moana, and um, yeah, look, I just fully endorse uh, everything that uh, Moana said, 
um, I can't really uh, add to to what Moana said about the the history of the claim and uh, the visionary nature of it. But um, I also want to acknowledge the um, the claimants who I had a, the privilege and honour to work with over a 20-year period, and especially um, Faya Sana and Faya Himanuya Tafakiwitana, or Dal, um, and Hori. Uh, kia ora Hori, I know you were there today. Um, <clears throat> I know that um, Leo's Leo Watson, um, and Leo and I worked uh, on this claim too for about 10 or 15 years, um, beavering away on the, on the, uh, the legal stuff. Um, and Sheridan um, and and uh, Hema, I know you're both there, and, and I've, I've uh, had the pleasure to listen to you both, and lovely to see you, and and also to acknowledge the the work that um, here Fakapumo is doing, carrying on the um, the mahi that's been uh, been laid down, the wedal that's been laid down by by your uh, by your tupuna, um, and you know, just listening to what Hami said about, you know, who's going to pick up um, the baton and carry it forward. I think that, you know, we have the answer in, 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 in the sense of we have already the next generation of, of Sheridan, uh, the Mukupu, Mukupuna. Um, we have Hema and no doubt many others who are going to carry this forward. So, yeah, just mihi to, to everybody um, who's who's there today. Um, Julian, thank you for your um, introduction. Um, I'm, I'm going to uh, talk just a little bit about the um, some of the, the legal uh, challenges that, that we faced um, and, and some of the highlights of the claim and um, also um, a little bit about the, the tikanga Māori framework that, that we, well, we really developed this probably, you know, 15, 20 years ago. Um, as as a sort of a, a potential way forward for developing a framework based on tikanga Māori principles as opposed to, you know, your standard, um, you know, Western model. That, that really doesn't fit um, with what the um, Wairua Onorua claim is all about. Um, you know, we need to have a new approach. And and also, you know, I agree with Hami that, that there are some really big mountains to climb and, and challenges going forward. But um, I, I think Sana and, and, and Dal and Hore and those ones have always known this. There's always been a big challenge. The treaty itself has been a big challenge for New Zealand to, to, to grapple with. And it took over 100 years for for that to gain some momentum. And, and what if it takes another 100 years for... The Waidua claim to, to to you know to achieve its um, uh, to achieve its its final um, destination if there is a final destination but um, it's a process that's been begun and and I think it's a it's a baton that will be passed from generation to generation and um, you know the Waitangi Tribunal uh, report and findings is only one step on that journey um, it's not it's not the final say. And, and in many respects, the, the tribunal report was quite disappointing because it sidestepped the, the key issues around Tenoranga Teratanga, which were really um, front and centre with the uh, with the claim right from its inception in 1991. But you know that's uh, 
um, you know, someone said it's an organic process, and 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 I'm sure that the the claimants and their mokopuna and future generations um, will know uh, intimately what this co-papa uh, of this claim was all about, and will con continue to to fly that uh, fly that flag. A and um, you know, it can be although it's it, it's a whole of government claim, and and there are many parts to it, and it's complex. It's actually um, if you boil it down, it can be summarised in the words of of Fiasana Murray, and uh, I remember her saying that Tenoranga uh, Tetatanga to her is Māori control over things Māori, um, and uh, you know it's as simple as that. Um, having that, having some control over your own destination, and and that really to me signifies what Tenoranga Tetatanga is about. Um, and just as an aside, I'm I'm kind of doing that in my own little world on Eko, who I've moved back there 12 years ago, and um, I'm actually moving out of the legal and out of the um, sort of CEO political role, and I'm, I'm uh, setting up a nursery, and I've got 150,000 trees to plant and birds to bring back into the Ngahere over the next 10, 15 years. So I think Fire Sana and and Fire Dell would be very happy. Um, with that, but just going back to the the legal aspects of the claim, so I got um, instructions from Māori Legal Services uh, from Moana Jackson, and, and just wanted Mihi to to Moana, um, and and uh, listening to to his corridor this morning. Um, so I got instructions from Moana and and Karen Wycliffe as she was then, now Judge uh, Deputy Judge Chief Judge Karen Fox. Uh, in about 1992, to uh, to be the legal representative for the six uh, of the uh, the six iwi claimants, um, and then over time that transitioned to representing the the three Taitokoro claimants of Ngati Kuri, Te Rarawa, and uh, Ngati Wai. Um, and I I am wearing here a, um, a pupu harakeke shell that um, fire. Uh, Sana uh, gifted to me at some, um, I, I think when we had our first, uh, our site visit up at uh, the Parengarenga um, Sands and we, we took the tribunal there and um, and Sana gifted this to me. So I, I wear it in, in honour and memory of her. So um, <clears throat> we, we sought uh, urgency um, before the Waitangi Tribunal in 1995. Um, and, and that was just around the time that the GATT TRIPS agreement was being um, debated in Parliament. That's the general agreement on uh, trade tariffs and trade-related intellectual property rights. And the basis that we sought urgency is that these uh, international trade agreements um, didn't reflect or recognise or or um, uh, and trampled on the... the um, the, the rights guaranteed to uh, iwi Māori um, under Te Tiriti o Waitangi. So the tribunal, there was a, a hearing, the tribunal granted urgency uh, in 1995. We then began the hearings proper in 1997 at Motiti Morai uh, in Te Rarawa. And um, <clears throat> the, the claims were heard off and on, the evidence all over the country for the next 10 years. Um, and, and then eventually uh, 
Judge Joe Williams, Chief Judge Joe Williams, took over the um, chairing the Waitangi Tribunal um, about midway through the claim, and the claim was then uh, closing submissions were heard in 2007, and the claim was reported on in 2011, and we're now. 10 years down the track from when the, the claim was reported on. So, yeah, it has been a 30-year a a journey. But in, um, in 2007, uh, in, as part of our closing submissions, we, we said to the Crown, look, you know, why not, why wait for the tribunal to issue the report? Um, you know, there can be some steps that can be taken. We can set up a... Um, a taumata for Māori, set up a taumata for the Crown and start talking to one another. This is back in 2007, but there was no uptake of that uh, that offer by the claimants, uh, or by the Crown rather. Um, so we, we roll forward to where we are now. And really, I suppose largely thanks to um, Minister uh, Nanaia Mahuta, um, she... I think indicated in 2017, I think it was, is that her government was going to do something about uh, acknowledging the claimants in the claim, and and she has uh, at least she's honoured that that word. But I, I thought it was quite a a travesty that you know the claimants um, hadn't been formally acknowledged when the the, the tribunal report came out, and um, uh, at, at least now something's being done about that. So um, just mihi to everybody who's uh, concerned uh, with this kaupapa um, and, and carrying it forward. And so I do agree to some extent that this claim is, is not just about for the benefit of Māori, it's actually for the benefit of, um, of New Zealand, of Aotearoa New Zealand as a whole. And, and there are things that I heard Payasana and, and Dal and, and Hori and others um, talk a great deal about. So I'm going to leave it there, and, and there might be some um, some questions that that uh, that you have. Thank you very much uh, for those words. Kelda, Komurok Tene, Te Kaifakari Te Papa Ho Maori, Kitsuya Ngario o Te Hapuri. Kelda, it's Murdoch, Maori Media Coordinator here at Free FM, and we hope you are enjoying all the new Maori focused Kopapa and Kordero happening on Free FM. Of course, we would love to have more. So if you have Kordero or a Kopapa you want to talk about, get in contact with me, Maori Media at freefm.org.nz. For more episodes, use the accessmedia.nz app for iOS and Android devices or subscribe to this podcast via Spotify, iHeartRadio or Apple Podcasts. This Free FM podcast was brought to you with support from New Zealand On Air.